Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of the Y'all Gonna Hear podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my two closeout co-hosts. Jonathan. Uh, uh, Whistling Wenzel. And uh, after weeks of being apart and doing independent projects, we're all back together. Sans one member, unfortunately. Colt's a little under the weather today, but he'll be back in time. But today we'll be pressing on and talking about what we've been up to, so sort of catching up with everybody, and also getting a little bit into what we'll be doing for the fall. Uh, hold on, let me drink. Let me drink from my ice cold Coca Cola. Yum. Sorry, Colt. Colt. I asked him if he wanted us to say anything, and he and he said for us to say that. So. I don't know. I don't know what that bit is. I, I, I don't, don't know either. He just said, uh, whenever you're saying, uh, talking about me being not feeling good, just say that. <laughs> I think that sciatic nerve reached his brain. Maybe. He's probably having a stroke. We need to get him help. <laughs> I don't know. He's been, he's been talking in the chat. <laughs> he's fine. Anywho. Well, since John and I, we've been hanging out, the course, the whole time. Let's find out what he's been up to, Wenzel. We'll let everybody know um, what he's been doing behind the scenes. Uh, uh, I don't know. Nothing. Stupid shit. <laughs> no, uh, man, it's been a while since last time we've had, like, a little, um, kind of summer, uh, thingy, whatever. I've been just, um, relaxing, I guess. I've just been watching movies, uh, trying to get that count up, uh, currently at 72. 72 movies this year. Woo, 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 and we woo. still got a few more days of August, so I might bump that up to 75. We'll see. Oh, man. Man, it's just... Okay, last night, I watched Come and See. Finally. And... Oh, fuck. And holy shit, Cole's not lying. That movie was amazing. It is easily one of the best movies ever. Five out of five, amazing. It was just incredible. It was like... It was like... It was so surreal... It's so terrifying. Like, there's a portion of the movie uh, where you're. I was just, I was just straight faced, like dead. I was just drained, tired, and I was like, "Holy shit!" In my mind, it was just insane how like uh, horrifying this movie is. And um, I didn't even realize too that the the uh, title is a reference to um, a Bible verse, which is pretty neat. Um, Okay. Yeah, it, because the little booklet that you get with the Criterion, it starts off literally with that. And the, the I'll just read the verse to you because it's like really good. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. That's from Revelation uh, chapter six, verses seven through eight. Fucking chills, man. Especially when you've seen the movie. Ah. <laughs> oh. God, like Revelation is the most metal fucking book oh. in the Bible, and and like even just outside of like a religious context, it's just fun to read because it's so it's so wild. it is so fucking just the imagery is just incre- it's insane. Yeah, like you like anybody who who's like. I, man, you know, it's the thing, too, is that, like, whenever I've talked to people, you know, when I when I used to be Christian about the Bible, nobody ever talked about Revelations. <laughs> nobody. Uh, but whenever I read it, I was like, this is some crazy shit, and I am terrified. Why is nobody talking about this? Wow, like, no one really, like, you know, ever talked about the end of the world shit with you? <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody wanted to. Everybody was just like, was like, God's going to come back, or Jesus is going to come back, 
and then we're all going to go to heaven. <laughs> That's it. God, I, I had the complete opposite experience where, like, by five years old, I had existential dread. Yeah. Because, cause like, my, my mom was like, yeah, and, you, you know, the Antichrist is going to rise up. You know, the rapture is going to happen. There's going to be seven years of hell on earth. Well, then Jesus is going to come back. We're going to reign here for a thousand years and then go to heaven forever. It, and, and it's like... Then there's going to be, like, fucking microchips put into you. And, okay. I'm, I, and like, five-year-old me was like, <laughs> that is, that, That's a lot to drop on someone who just barely started walking. Okay. Yes. I, I will say, maybe I've said this on the podcast before. My dad at one point did say, like, you know, God's going to come down and um, – or Jesus is going to come down. And then everybody's going to be, like, you know, all, all sinners, you know, whatever. Everybody's going to be put on trial, essentially. And then um, – but it was just so weird because he was like he was like nobody um, because God is so merciful that if you're a sinner instead of going into hell he's just going to destroy your soul completely so you wouldn't so you'll never have existed at all so like that would be like essentially true death you like you're just complete just utter annihilation <laughs> he did tell me that and all, the microchip thing was something he told me about too he I remember him telling me about. Um, Mark the, the people were like microchips are the mark of the beast. Like, okay, uh, did they know about uh, nanotechnology in Bible times? <laughs> no. Then, yeah, because there, there's a lot that people have like kind of ascribe with the Bible that's nowhere included to it. Yeah, but, but like the mark of the beast, from what I remember reading, because it's been years, is it, it's a, a physical distinction that's either on your hand or on your forehead. Yeah. yeah. So like. I'm sorry, but I can't see fucking nanotechnology with my naked like, eyes. Like it, it would just—it would literally be—you'd probably see a cut, <laughs> like at most, a cut, and like, you know, who go, who goes looking for that? So, yeah. Anyway, that crazy Christians, man. Um, I I will say just just on that note, like the whole like the whole seven seals, how like that seventh seal is just total bullshit. It's like, hey, this is the seventh seal, but the the seventh seal is like seven vials and the, and the seventh vial with seven bowls and just keep this like quit dragging this okay, shit out man. right like but but and like the thing is too the seven bowls and the seven seals and the seven vials are like all totally different things yeah it, it's, it's kind of like when you open like a, a folder in a computer and like a bunch of more folders come out and then one more after that it's just like <laughs> subfolders in like the christian apocalypse yeah <laughs> and and the, it's the uh the russian uh nesting yeah of, of like a, apocalyptic mayhem but the, there was one that really fucked me up um my one of my sunday school teachers i remember it being a pretty like sleepy sunday she, she's like going through the um the lesson which happened to be about toward the end of the world and the second coming and we're all just kind of like yeah yeah we're not really paying attention and then like she pulled like a fucking trick on us so <laughs> i noticed it but didn't pay I, did, I didn't really take it in so what she did was she had surreptitiously pressed play on a little like boom box or something and it played like this big like trumpet sound she was like oh fuck it's the second coming kids and we i thought i was gonna shit my pants jesus christ that's fucking that abuse. is terrifying because i okay that was something i did read too and i was never taught it was that um we probably talked about this before is that the um anybody who's a true believer they'll hear trumpets but anybody who's a sinner will hear a horrible monstrous terrifying sound instead of trumpets and that means you know it's the end of the fucking world that's terrifying man what the fuck <laughs> yeah it, it was pretty fucked up but we, you were saying about that about the uh, the 
I guess the unsaved hearing like a monstrous noise. I, I mentioned this in the podcast back in like our second ghost hunting trip. But I remember it was, I was asleep one night, and now at my old, my parents' house, we live right next to a, a train track. So I know what a train sounds like. But for whatever reason, this night, it was like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, dead asleep, and I heard a sound that I have never heard since and cannot ever place because it sounded so otherworldly. This big, I, 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 can't, it, I can't even describe like it sounded like a beast or like a monster. It, it didn't sound like any mechanical noise. It just sounded like something completely not of earth. And I thought, oh, fuck, this is the rapture. <laughs> so I'm like running through the house in the, in the dark. My dad's like, what is the problem? Did you not hear that sound? It sound I, that, he's like, Pat, it's just a train. It's like, that is no fucking train. <laughs> that- <laughs> so, and like he acted like it was nothing. I'm, but he has like he can hear like he has super human hearing, whereas I can't hear shit. So who got the better genes in that of the family? I didn't get it from dad. Fuck. Like <laughs> he can hear he can hear ladybug shit outside, but he can't hear like this fucking apocalyptic noise that blew in the middle of the night man that it was probably one of the angels he accidentally um started it off too early ah fuck it's it's like dark siders all over yeah it was one of those dumbass angels just fucking around um that reminds me though uh this was a story my dad told me um this was like a long time ago in when he was a kid uh chattanooga tennessee uh there was like i think um there was this day where the sky was just, they described it as being red, and there was just all this smoke. It was just, you know, it was just like, it was like apocalyptic. It was an apocalyptic scene, and um, everybody thought it was the end of the world. So literally, his, I remember he said his dad, my grandfather, um, the neighbors and stuff were all dressed in white going outside, just standing, ready ready to be taken. And um, it was just a fire at a factory. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is fucking terrifying. And like, just you walk outside and you just see a bunch of dipshits and fucking white robes walking around. And like, like, they're just like, just going through the phone, but hey, it's the rapture. Get outside, you know, it's it's time. And they just start singing "Awesome God," and it's well, the, just like, "What?" The <laughs> well, the fuck? thing is, is I want to know is how does how does everybody prepare to have like they they weren't in white robes uh, from what I remember they were my dad just said white clothes so I assume I'm thinking like white suits and dresses like who has all this shit and is just ready <laughs> like who like did they really prepare for this man <laughs> I th- they must they have. must have because because my dad described it as literal families coming out into their yards wearing white clothes just waiting man holding hands and, and plus i just love the idea that like like jesus is gonna t- take everybody to heaven but if like if you're not wearing the right clothes it's like uh, sorry hon you're not getting in sweetheart. I, you know that's a that's a good point <laughs> and the thing is lets all the dudes in but then he's just like all right now all right Susie, you gotta get rid of that spaghetti strap until you come and un- before you come into the pearly gate, and the thing is, too, now don't get don't get sassy with me. Everybody's depicted <laughs> as being naked, <laughs> like yeah, because like because that was one thing I heard, like or I don't I don't think it's in the Bible, but like that's what I remember seeing, like in like iconography, like you, you know, you like like what was it um, that fucking Left Behind movie where um, the people would just disappear and their clothes be left behind. Yeah. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. We watched that movie last oh, year. Oh man. Though. Oh shit. I know. I God, know that I movie. Was drunk as fuck. <laughs> you know that's 
dare that's you. funny though i've been i've been having a craving for watching like biblical type movies like that i don't know why i guess to feed my existential dread or something <laughs> <laughs> i think Muslim may have a lot of unresolved issues from his uh past as a uh, religious well, person I, mean, I know we're going so off topic but like i remember as a kid when we were told about like what would be wearing in heaven i was so scared because i was like oh my god everybody's gonna see me naked i was so terrified <laughs> of being like and like you know i mean that was when i was a kid so like why wouldn't you be you know um ah man and that that was also another thing too is that like they tell you that like you know come in come into church as you are you know it doesn't matter what you're wearing because like i don't know that's just like (laughs) who has access to always these formal nice clothes like that shouldn't be a thing yeah, they had like a velvet rope, like it outside, like Club uh, Studio Fifty Four, with like a balancer and a clipboard. It's like, eh, you're not getting in. I, I mean, it, it's just funny because my dad said you should always look your Sunday best. You know, you should always look your best. It's like, well, what about homeless people? I guess they don't have the right to come to church, do they? Or or people who are impoverished, or you know, just like they just don't have access to these nice clothes, or whatever you know you consider nice. I don't know. I, I, and like it's. Cr- as crazy and fundamental of a church I grew up in, like we, everyone sort of did their best, but like if someone came in, you know, with like t shirt and shorts, no one got fucking butthurt about it. You know? I mean, nobody should, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, ideally, like the point of religion, you know, is to bring as many people in because you, in their mind, they don't want someone to go to hell. So it's like, why add these unnecessary, arbitrary barriers of entry? I mean, yeah. You know, sorry, we could go on a whole theological talk um, about this. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned to the uh, the non-canon files, like the lads talk about religion. No, that probably will never happen. Uh, no, it will not. What, what do you mean? We're going to have an episode where we talk about all these end-time movies. And, yeah, well, we'll, we'll just go through uh, the lads watch the Left Behind series coming soon. Man, let's, you know... Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, in, in, anyway, going back to come and see. Oh yeah, it was just um, what a what a tangent. I know that was. it was. Uh, I need to read the little booklet because it was just I and I need to watch the supplements too because I imagine they're fantastic because this movie this movie was just I mean really it was just it was just superb and I wish I could talk about it more but really you just got to go watch it brace yourselves though because I should say when I watched this I was already sad and I was like I can't get any sadder. So let's just go. Um, and the baby's like, bitch, you thought. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but taking a, going back a little bit, man, I've watched so many movies and I don't want to talk about them all, you know, because some of them, some of them are okay and some of them are great. I, I will say another movie I watched that was Five Stars with the Battle of Algiers, which was available on the Criterion oh, channel. Fuck. Really fucking good movie. Um, really good, just like exploration of like, western colonialism and the systems of oppression that have that have been created ah man it was just another spectacular movie um that's kind of shot like it's cinematic you know but it's kind of shot like almost documentary style um like cinema verite type yeah yeah um ah, really good oh and fuck me another good movie i watched on the criterion channel was cure cure is a really good fucking um murder mystery japanese murder mystery movie directed by kiyoshi kurosawa 
this movie was great. I can't recommend it enough. Oh man, it was just. It was okay. Okay, it's a, it's about a bunch of it's about a bunch of murders. Who uh, their only connection to these murders are that there's a bloody X carved into the neck of each victim. But uh, in each case, the murderer is found near the victim and remembers nothing of the crime. I'm reading this off Letterbox, by the way. Um, it's really good. I, I highly recommend that if you got if you got a Criterion Channel subscription because I don't know if it's on anything else. Um, watch it you know um what else uh we oh my god me and colt watched behind the curve oh my god it, it <laughs> oh fuck is that the the flat earth yes it was so okay i gave it three and a half stars but it was really freaking good oh my god um because i remember you talking about that because for whatever reason john and i we were pissed drunk that night and i remember yelling at y'all in chat y'all are watching a flat earth movie <laughs> hell yeah we were and it was great um it's it's a documentary of course and um it examines like it's most i didn't even know this guy existed it's most prolific member because it, it's mostly him but like it also you know goes to different different members as well of this movement uh mark Sargent, if you've ever heard of him and he yeah unfortunately and he like oh my god i it's been we watched this at the very beginning of the month and it feels like this month has gone by like it's been a hundred years since we've watched this but it was so freaking good and like it was good because um the the people who were filming <laughs> they really made the flat earthers look like total fucking idiots um and i can't imagine that was too hard uh, no it wasn't uh fuck me there was even a part in there where they went to um base museum and they were just making fun of it and uh they got this superb shot of mark Sargent doing something that of course he would fucking do and it, it was just like it was like cosmic irony like it's like it's like space was like you know what fuck you <laughs> i'm gonna make you look like an idiot even though it was like tiny it was small it was so good um Oh man! Oh my! And of course, one of the one of the flat earthers was just like, dinosaurs don't exist. Um, that's impossible. And I, I, w I was just, I, I cannot fathom why anybody would go to the effort to place all these bones all around the world and in random spots just so that people could find them later and be like, "Ha! Huh, fucking got you." Uh, it's the Illuminati ones. It's the fossil Illuminati. And not only that, a lot of these fossils are buried so deep into the ground. They're buried like so deep, and there's just random piles and random places. I mean, hell, there was a fucking watering hole in not a watering hole. It was like a hole in Madagascar where they had to um, they had to go down, and like they discovered all these different bones of these different type of um, primates, and it was really cool because like they also you know that's how they learned that there was a lemur the size of a fucking gorilla, but like they only had a few bones of it, and it's just like. Who would go to the effort to place these fake bones at the bottom of a, a almost impossibly like like a location that you would never find for hundreds of years just for like what the effort to, to I, there's no there's no reward no reward yeah and 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 the thing is is this is the problem I have with all conspiracy conspiracy theories and conspiratorial thought. It all works on the presupp. I mean, it's all coming from presupposition, but it works on the presupposition that there is some like mastermind who's in control of everything. When all of our world leaders and people in positions of power, in general, are dumb as fuck, 
and, and incompetent as shit. And, and it's like, and, and with something as big as like NASA trying to cover up the world is flat. It's like one, what's, what's the motive? Like, what are they trying? What would they get out of that? And also, too, it's like it, 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 it would just require like an, a, an enormous amount of like subterfuge and planning, and, and, like, and someone would talk eventually, you know, like e- even the stuff that you know, like the stuff that we have right now, like the Epstein stuff. Like, there's always these little things that these little leaks. So, like, no, no matter how big it is, something always comes out. Because what was it that Bruce Lee said? Three things can't be hidden for long: the sun, the moon, and the truth. I think I think so. And so, like. And, and plus, it just we're sort of just shown on a daily basis that all the people in power have like repeatedly shown their ass and their complete unwillingness to work with anybody, even if like there is a mutual goal. It seems. You know, it, it was funny though because there was a part in the doc where um they had they had like evidence of people coming out and saying the earth is flat it was really fucking funny and uh, but that was also what made this so good is that it made them look like idiots of course but there was a part in there where they where they had interviews with actual like scientists physicists and so on and you know they were all laughing but then also they were like they're like hey you know we can laugh you know we can laugh and make these jokes but we need to understand too that these people are people they're humans and that we as a community have also as a science community have failed them and that they are essentially failed uh, scientists. And that's really sad. Um, you know, because a lot of them are really smart. They are like, except for one guy um, <laughs> who thought, except, except for one guy who thought, who thought oh, dinosaurs aren't real. I will not say that guy is a failed scientist. No way. No fucking way. Fuck him. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, there there were like legitimate people like doing experiments, and there was even a point in there where uh, they explained one of the experiments to one of the scientists, and he's like, "Oh, that's interesting. That you know, that could that'd be interesting to see." Um, so yeah, you know, like you know, th- th- this while this doc you know uh, shines a light on them, it also has um, gives them some empathy, you know, but also. <laughs> it also makes sure to understand that these people are um you should <laughs> they're so they're just so ridiculous they're just so ridiculous um yeah and, and not to get hyperbolic but that type of thinking is really dangerous now like thinking the earth is flat in most instances is pretty banal is pretty benign there's you know what sort of danger coming out of that but it's you ideas like that could easily you could easily get to ideas like QAnon, the Jewish question, shit like that that is completely not true, but and actually you know has negative effects on yeah. So sorry, I was just gonna say that's also something else too. After they explained this, um, because it was really it was really good. You know, I get this doc three and a half stars i should probably give it four um because there was these really good moment in there where they had um you know this montage and the scientists talking that you know even though these people are people and humans and you know they have whatever they were also dangerous in the fact that fundamentally like what start what at the fundamental level of why they think the earth is flat is dangerous because um you know they they're um there's a way of thinking where it's like, even though they've been giving all this facts and evidence, it's like they just don't want to believe it. And then it's also dangerous because they also showed um, footage of kids 
kids believing this stuff and like them trying to, you know, change just like uh, what's taught in the schools. And that's where it gets into, you know, you get into real danger. Um, Exactly. uh, I I would recommend giving it a watch. It was very entertaining, very insightful. And um, man, uh, I'll just say um, another good movie I watched too was um, Secret Sunshine as well. And uh, that is um, that was a very sad Korean movie. <laughs> um, I'll just say that. Give it a watch if you can. I know Criterion actually has a physical version of it um, that I'm pro- next Criterion sale. I'm probably gonna cop just because it's so good. Um, yeah, and then I, you know, again caught up. Or I'm at 72 movies. Um, recently, I beat The Last of Us two a few days ago. Oh, what an amazing game! What an amazing game! I. It is it is so like it is so much better than the first. It completely just blew my expectations out of the fucking water. And everybody's complaints that I've seen about it are so fucking stupid. At this point like I like oh man, there's one guy that had sort of a complaint that was kind of like, okay, I can see what you're saying, but also like whatever, man. Like whatever, yeah, like uh, this is it's such a I don't know. It was just, it was so dumb. It was, I mean, really. And then, like, everybody else, I'm think, I'm seeing, like, I see people, like, you know, <laughs> like, of course, these are the same people who are transphobes, homophobes, or racist. They're like, oh, don't shove your agenda down my throat. Like, what? That trans people exist? Uh, <laughs> like, that, uh, that other races exist? That people of other sexualities exist? Also, um, and also, that was something, too, that the game does perfectly is violence the violence in it like the fighting and stuff was brutal and in a way satisfied but also it was kind of like and something that i think should be said is that you know violence shouldn't shouldn't be the answer and um it it, you know you should think about what you're doing I'll, i'll just leave it at that um man it was so fucking good highly recommend it 10 out of 10 fuck and uh and then beyond that, I've been um, I've also been reading a good bit this month, trying to catch up on my uh, books. Um, I'm at a goal of like I want to read 66. I'm currently at 47. I uh, I started off this month, I think reading. Oh yeah, reading. It's kind of a funny story by Ned Vizzini. Um, really good. I gave it four stars. It's about a guy, a kid in high school who. Um, who gets admitted into a psychiatric hospital and it's based off of the author's real time experience or real experience in a psychiatric hospital. It was, it was good for the most part. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because like you get to look at like somebody who comes from a loving family who's privileged as well. Like, you know, there's no, um, like monetarily or financially they're fine. Um, and still ends up having depression, you know, like it, like it's just sometimes it's genetic some it's just something that happens and there shouldn't be um you know there there's this stigma i guess the stigma i want to try to say is a stigma that like you know people will say like don't worry don't be sad be happy and it's like it's not possible you know it's not chemically possible and um I think this does a really good job of exploring that there's just something in there though that i, th- I thought was kind of contrived that was just kind of like eh whatever but yeah, and there's that. There's also another great book I read, five out of five, Fauna by Donna Mazza. It's it's an Australian book, really fucking good. Um, 
it's about a couple who uh, they they lost uh, one of their child their children their at birth and uh, they want to have another child so they go to this uh, company called Lifeblood that's been working in um, bringing using DNA technology to bring back uh, sorry <laughs> sorry I'm trying to explain this. Uh, no, it's, it's funny when you say this. they go to a company called Lifeblood to bring no. their dead child back to life, and of course, nothing bad's <laughs> well, going thing, to happen. The thing is, is that this uh, this this company, Lifeblood, they work in using DNA DNA technology to bring they uh, to bring back extinct animals. So now, uh, like the dodo bird, the Tasmanian tiger, the mammoth, they're all living, all well alive in the world. So now, anything like when it comes to animals is possible. And um, this company has been experimenting with like with humans, and um, they go to this company to uh, to essentially take um, parts of the the mother, the father, and DNA from somewhere else, put it together, and put this um, put this uh, child. It's like it's it's you know in vitro in a way, and um, it's it's just really good. It, and the thing is too is that it's actually um, it's totally possible. Like it's totally possible within the fucking future, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And then uh, recently, I also been reading the Odyssey series. If you did, you know, if anybody's ever watched the movie Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey, there's also a book written by Arthur C. Clarke. He read it. He wrote it at the same time the movie was getting made, and he helped write the screenplay. Him and Stanley Kubrick are friends, and um, I read the first book. The first book is great, just as great as the movie. Both are vastly different, and I recommend either. Uh, but then the the second book, 2010 Odyssey 2, uh, it takes place after the movie rather than the first book, and that was something that I was kind of like bothered by, but it you know wasn't too big of a deal. It, still a great great story. So I, I I wonder if that was a tie-in to the 2010. That okay, movie. that's another thing too. Um, from what I've read, the that one is also different from the movie as well. Which I actually want to watch the movie. Um, I, I was uh, I remember being kind of iffy about it, but then. Uh, I just kind of want to see it, and then also Arthur C. Clarke himself was just like, you know, it's a fine movie. I liked it, and I, I was like, I'll watch it too. Take your word for it. Uh, yeah, like, I, I'm curious, because it's like, how do you make a sequel to, like, one of the best movies yeah. ever made? and I mean, like, especially in books too, but let me tell you, like, from where this is going in the books, it's getting pretty fucking crazy, and I'm here for it, because now I'm in the third book, 2061 Odyssey 3, and it started off kind of slow, but we're getting good, and I'm excited to finish it and read the last book. So, that's what I've been doing. That's a lot of shit to throw at you guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's perffully fine. That, I, a lot, all that's we, really fucking interesting. Thank you. Sorry, we haven't, like... Like when I say it's felt like a thousand years in this month, it's felt like a thousand years. I haven't talked to these fuckers in a while, and I'm sorry, but I just like to talk about this stuff because it's like a lot of interesting stuff. And now I want to hear what the fuck you guys have been doing. Go! Because, uh, like Wenzel said, of course you know we've had in, like our individual episodes throughout this month, alternating between John and myself and Colt and Wenzel. And part of that, we didn't really speak uh, like voice chat. We just sort of, it was just more so in our Twitter DMs. So, so, the, so when we say we're catching up, it's like we're legitimately catching up on air as the episode's going. And I did want to say, Colt, I mean, excuse me, uh, that you and Colt Wenzel did a great job with your two episodes about um, Call of Duty and the Gundam episodes. Those were a lot of fun to listen to. And honestly, uh, they didn't tell us what they were going to do before um, we got the uh, audio file, so it was a surprise to us when we listened. So it, 
it was fun not knowing, you know, what was going to be in the show, essentially. So that's a nice little surprise. So y'all did a great job. Yeah, I really love Joel's Thank Gundam you. Thank episode. you. I, I appreciate it. We, you know, we worked fairly hard. <laughs> um I, you know, I, uh, I actually did take the time to listen some to you, you guys' episodes, and I was very, um, I was very surprised too. Like, even though we said uh, we asked what you guys were doing, I was still just like, man, these are good. These are you know great episodes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, because it, it was it was pretty gratifying to see Colt go back and watch uh, one of the John Waters movie he watched. <laughs> Fe- uh, excuse me, Female Trouble. Female Trouble. Yeah, the John Waters. That was just a blast just to watch those because. Because we like when John and I watched them earlier in the year, because we watched them throughout, they were just like we were screaming and yelling and laughing at so many different points. So like, if you have the 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 stomach to watch them, we we really continuously recommend those movies. Oh hell yeah! And and Wenzel, since you have Criterion, like a lot of his work is on there. Yeah, so no. If, if he if you're interested. no, literally like when you guys came out with this, I was like, you know what? I'll probably check them out soon, maybe. But because you guys did them, I'm like, I have, I, I'm confident that I will enjoy what I watch. I, maybe. I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, there's so many barriers of entry to John Waters, and it is very, a very particular taste. Yeah, you definitely have to have, like, one, like, a strong gag reflex. Like, just like a, a physical stomach, because a lot of it is genuinely nauseating. And then that's by design, and like they're, they're the, the sort of the the lower production values, the, the acting, it, it's all in a way as it is, but also a, a lot of it is by design. So like, you, and, and then on top of all that, there there are some things in the movie that may not fly today too. Yeah. So you kind of have to go in with a expectations like oh yeah, this is from the seventies. Oh okay, there's, there's going to be some stuff that's that's intentionally provocative yeah. and stuff that just you know may not have been objectionable today that may that may sit a little uncomfortably nowadays but we we both said on the episode we don't feel anything in his movies is like malicious yeah okay like mean-spirited it's just it's content that may not be for everybody and that's perfectly fine yeah exactly uh but uh john you you've been on some a lot a lot of a very vengeful journey uh maybe a bizarre journey so i want yes. to talk about that a little bit yeah, so uh, finally caught up with JoJo's. Uh, the end of the year last year, I started, I started watching it. Watched parts one and two, and a little bit of three, and then kind of just fell off. Because part three, at least in my opinion, kind of starts out real slow and kind of plotty. Yeah, and Jotaro does not start out interesting. I don't know. <laughs> that's very, that's very uh, true. No, uh, oh, sorry. I mean, he gets a lot better later on. I think he works better as a supporting character. Um, but yeah, it was that was really fun. That's uh, funny because I, you know, I was thinking the same thing, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say that about Jotaro. He's better as a supporting character. Yeah, and, and it's because he's. It's not that he's not interesting. It's just he's just kind of monotone. Yeah, like when he when they first introduced him, and you know, that's just character development i guess i don't like i don't know we you know we haven't gotten anything with jodoro being the main character so like but like yeah starting out he was monotone you know he was kind of a dick (laughs) um Uh, yeah and that was one of the things i couldn't get behind initially because like his mom is just doing her fucking best and he just straight up calls her a bitch (laughs) he's just like shut the fuck up you stupid bitch and i'm like but then they tried to do this you look nice today it's like 
that does not erase the fact you called your mom a fucking bitch. Like, ah, oh, man. But it's like my mom would slap the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, no, no, for sure. My, you know, mine too. <laughs> um, yeah, like, um, I, I see what you're saying because I remember when I first watched part three, I, I dropped off for a little bit, and but I, I finally forced myself to come back. Um, in you know, and I assume you know it got better for you as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, once I finally, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna like sort of push through it. Uh, I, I really started to enjoy it. Part three. There's no reason that needs to be damn near 50 episodes. So long. Sorry. So fucking long. Like, almost all the two-parters could be a single fucking episode. However, the the high points of part three are so fucking high. Yeah. Like, the fight with Vanilla Ice. Oh. 10 out of 10. And, And then, honestly, my probably... And this is so not original, but probably my favorite fight in the series is Jotaro versus oh, Dio. Oh fuck yeah, end. of course. No, it, because that that was a lot of fun. Because I because I kind of joined in with Johnson at the very end, and it's it's always super gratifying to watch somebody react the way you want to to something they're seeing for the first time, but you know well. So like him seeing like all the big moments in the in the fight with Dio, especially the. One particular moment at the very end. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go into spoilers too much because I know we'll probably get actually have like probably multiple JoJo episodes later Fuck on. Yeah. But it, when I say the moment in the fight with Dio, everyone knows what moment I'm talking yeah. about. Where I sat there and screamed like ten minutes straight. Yeah, like he he, he yelled like to, to the point that like Liz and Cameron were yelling back like, "What the hell is going on out there?" <laughs> Because it, it's such a great moment. Because as weird and you know bizarre as JoJo is, and even with the valleys, like the the crescendos of of the series are always worth watching. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and for a, a a series that is so bizarre, oh, it, like the amount of times I got like genuinely emotional at certain moments, and moments that you know I wouldn't think I would get emotional at. Like there, there's one in part four when Josuke meets his dad. I'm not going to say who that is, and that was just like, fuck me. Yeah, that um, was uh, that was something. Yeah, and then um, and then I just watched the rest of the series, and as of right now, my favorite is part four. I really like the supporting cast. Josuke is my favorite JoJo. Oof. And good choice, Kira. He, I, I, I hate to say he tops Dio. He's more interesting than Dio from like a char- from a writing perspective because he has a very, very interesting motivations and a very interesting psychology, whereas Dio is just evil. Like he, he's, he's the doomsday villain. Like he's evil for the sake of evil. But Dio is how you do that type of villain right because... He is so fucking entertaining. He's like, because he's he's so over the top, and like when you see him do like bad, evil shit, it's fucking bad. Yeah, like it's like so. And plus, he's like cartoony, but you still like he's he's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, like the one of the first things we like the first interaction he has with Jonathan in part one is he kicks a fucking dog. Man, 
Because, like, before that, it's like, oh, maybe, you know, they're going to make him, like, this compelling character, blah, 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 and it's going to be about the interactions between him and Jonathan. No, he's just he's just a shit. He's evil right <laughs> yeah, out the Yeah, he's gate. just a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, uh, and then got through part five, which I, I know that that's probably most of the boys' favorite part. Don't you and say it. I like, Don't you say it, Jonathan. I, <laughs> No, part like I love part okay. five. Just Don't kidding. get me wrong. It, it like it's just under part four. Oh, okay. It, it's just th- there are some things in part five that there that aren't like necessarily like major issues, but like definitely hold it back for me. And I'm sorry, Jorno's boring as fuck. Oh no, I'm, no, I, eat my ass. I, no, I I, 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 I am not that big. I'm not that big a fan of Jorno. Man, ah, oh, dude, Jorno's. But ever, but the that, but that's but the thing is, like, I don't even feel like it's his story, though. Like uh, up until like the end, like because all the other crew are so much more interesting, and and I love all of them so much. Yeah, that. But Jorno by Jorno is, I mean, he's just kind of a plank of wood. Oh my god! <laughs> like he has his moments. Like I'm not going to lie. Like the. The seven-page Muda is badass as fuck, and same with Golden Experience Requiem. But spoiler, it, just as a character, like I didn't get like even with someone like Jotaro in Part Three, who I also thought was kind of bland and boring. The 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 high points with his character was like super fucking high. Mm. Whereas like there were a couple for Jorno in Part Five, but. Jonah didn't have like enough to really make him stand out as a protagonist. Like, he, of course, he, every everyone has like th- this is like their big character moment. But like Jorno, his his position f- fewer and far between. I see, you know, yeah. I see what you're saying because I'm I'm comparing him to Josuke. But the thing is, is that like you know you can't. It's it's hard because you, you shouldn't compare you know the the uh, JoJo family line to each other. But when I think about Josuke, like I I see what you're saying because Josuke was like so charismatic like he just had a lot of personality and character oh man he really was a fantastic he was he was really fantastic yeah and and uh, one of the problems with some of the parts of jojo especially uh parts three and five i feel like araki was more interested in the supporting cast ah like like i get part like like i mean the me the, the age-old meme of part three being pol Polnareff's bizarre adventure <laughs> but like a lot of the times like the like Giorno and Jotaro kind of just get sidelined through a lot of their own series like they have a lot at the very beginning and they have a lot at the very end but like in the middle there's not a lot for them to do you know I, I, but like no like, no sorry Ed keep going whereas uh Josuke in part four he was in the the show a right amount and felt like the protagonist while also being interesting and charismatic and fun, that's a that's a very fair. Um, God, man, yeah. When I, you know, um, I see what you're saying because, like, ah, man, I consider part five my favorite, but there, uh, you know, I I can't I can't say like it's absolutely perfect because there's an argument me and Colt got into a while ago, even with Tanner in it, and I still to this day fucking hold on to it, uh, because it's like. It's like there's just some things that are in part five that are just kind of like, uh, <laughs> they're just like, ah, like, okay, that's, you know, explain that to me. Um, and like, like you said, the supporting characters, like, 
I I think those they definitely should have been explored more. Um, but then you're looking at like probably an even longer part five. And I and I say this like more so on uh, La Squadra, um, the Squadra's part. Um, they're you know they were the um, the Squadra Execution. They were the Hitman Squad that were fighting for for yeah. most of the like they were they were they were like you know they looked unique and it seemed like there's a lot that could have been done there specifically with fucking risotto like there's so much should could have been done with risotto he he just seemed very interesting um Wh- which one was risotto? he was the leader of the hitman squad he was oh oh yeah definitely he he got the short end of the stick. yeah because like I, and, and his fucking stand is one of my favorites. Fuck, yeah, same. I, I mean, I'm also kind of biased because it it's metallic. Yeah, <laughs> but but like he has like this just awesome like one of the best designs in part five, and that's saying oh, something. Yeah, like part five by far has the best character design. Yeah, like Araki was feeling himself when he was making everybody in part five. Like, he was on his for shit. sure. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. That's like. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, uh, Prosciutto and Pesci are pretty cool. I really like those episodes. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, but his stand is White Album. Uh, Giacho. Giacho was really cool. <laughs> Which Giacho uh, just means ice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you like. Well, and, and like Prosciutto is a oh, like type of. Yeah, name. yeah. No, we <laughs> could we could go all day about the how great these names are. You know, risotto's pasta. Uh, a type of pasta. Uh. Uh, and the guy with the fucking with baby face stand, um, Malone. Malone, yeah. Like I felt like there was so much you could do with that ability. Like, and it kind of just because, wah, wah. yeah, because that's an ins- that's kind of an insane ability. Like, I, I would kind of want to see like is every um is every stand that comes out like because it's technically uh his stand creates other stands sorry these are huge spoilers but we've talked about jojo in our past episode so much part fight specifically but it's like yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll put a uh, a spoiler notice in in the uh, in the episode descriptions but yeah but i mean i mean and also too i really like at some point really want to do like a, like a deep dive a full JoJo. deep dive on oh JoJo, for sure so. it, you know but but continue with what you're but saying. But like Malone and his stand, like is every stand that's created from that, like do they like are their personalities the same? Like what are their personalities like? Do they all look the same? You know, like there's just a lot you like. It, it, yeah, is is the personal like the personality of the stand based on who it's fused with? And like and that's the thing too is that like uh, he was just killed so easily and by pure luck. Yeah. Uh, well, not pure luck. I mean, you could say Giorno tracked him by turning one of the pieces of the stand into a snake, and then the snake f- went back to its master, whatever. But, I mean, like, I, I remember somebody was... Uh, I was looking up stuff about La Squadra. I remember somebody's argument that was pretty good was that, um, you know, La Squadra's great and all, but, like, they're just simply there. Uh, as, they're just simple obstacles, and that kind of just sucks. Yeah, to me, they felt... While all their stands were really cool and interesting, except like that first guy, he was kind of boring. Oh yeah, um, Little Feet, the guy that Narancia fights. Yeah, that just shrinks. That's all his stand does is like whoop de fucking do. But they they do feel in a lot of ways similar to like early part three, like the the people based off of the tarot cards. Yeah, 
where they are literally just there to be obstacles for the protagonist. Which, which and, is but, fine sometimes. Which, yeah, it's fine. But, like, when you see char- characters as intricately designed as La Squadra, it's like... It, it, do, it does feel like it's a, it a bit of a waste because they have, like, obviously a lot of thought and effort went into making these characters, coming up with designs, making their stands, and them for kind of just to be a little, like, uh, only a little bit above the villain of the week. Mm-hmm. It, it feels kind of like, like, they could have had, like, a whole parallel story. Like, this is, like, the, like, they're like they're the, the bad guy version of the gang stars, the Giorno's g- group. Exactly. Because yeah. so like, there's obviously, there is some form of, like, camaraderie within... A La Squadra, so they feel like they could have extrapolated on that a little bit, but it's, we're just, we just kind of have to take what we what we have and just sort of... Yeah, know. it's just a Rocky story and we're living in it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's definitely, you can tell, a Rocky makes it up as he goes along and doesn't necessarily think of the consequences of giving certain characters certain powers. Cough, cough, Fugo, cough, cough. <laughs> uh, which, that, that was really disappointing. I was like, God damn. Yeah. This- because he's set up to be this really interesting character, and then just fucks off. Like, yeah, exactly. Like this is another this is another character that we should have gotten more of. We only see his stand once, and then he's just gone. And he's like part of the main cast too, and he's gone for. Yeah, he's part he's part of the main cast. Like, I love it. His stand is really fucking cool. Purple haze, man. But like. Uh, I mean, I, I, in one perspective, I can see why he was removed because like his stand is sort of OP, but like. And on the other end, like, <laughs> Araki, it's his story, so he could have found a way to, like, make it more huge. Or, like, have, like, this moment where Fugo learns to overcome or control or, you know, somehow mitigate the powers of his stand. Because that, that would have been an interesting journey of, like, yeah. oh, I have this dangerous thing inside me. I have to learn to control it. And, and, and that's and, just sort of just <laughs> kind of just dropped. Yeah, and that could parallel his, like, anger issue as well because like, yeah him being able to control a stand is him being able to control his anger because like there, there's a lot of like awesome bedrock there but then you know he just right before they make uh uh, uh king crimson and diavolo he just kind of yeah. fucks off uh <laughs> read purple haze feedback if you want i guess i haven't even re- i haven't even read it uh but if you want some character development read that because yeah. and it's funny too because all of the uh, I think all of the stands in that are named after um, Jimi Hendrix songs too, so that's fun. Which is awesome. yeah. Um, and then lastly, or wait, before I get to that, uh, uh, just talk about the main cast. You know, because we talked about Fugo, kind of talked about Giorno, but Bucciarati, MVP. He's the mom. He's the he's the best mom ever. He, he he is he is the fucking mom. And goddamn, every time he he said sticky fingers, I just fucking laughed. Yeah, I, I love the way he yells it, and I I want a compilation of him sticky just yelling fingers! sticky finger. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the subtitles you see zipper man. <laughs> that that's the thing I love about this show is just seeing the the copyright friendly. <laughs> The, the friendly names that they give them in the subtitles, but you just hear the exact opposite. It, it, the, it, the, the, the in Japanese clear English. I'm saying the actual word, the actual band song, whatever. Yeah, like there were a few I didn't catch. Like I, I didn't catch fucking Aerosmith. Yeah, me neither. But uh, oh god, what was uh, the, like Vanilla Ice? 
Uh, I still can't get over, and, and it took me so long to recognize it, but I still can't get over that Vanilla Ice and his stand is a goddamn pun. Uh, fuck, it's, um... He, he, he is Vanilla Ice and his stand cream, is cream. Cream, cream, fuck. There we go. Vanilla Ice Cream. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I, I guess is, I want to say Ice Cream Machine. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm sort of put on the spot, I can't really think of any... Like uh, I like that one guy. His 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 stand was craft work, but it it was uh, subtitled. It was uh, arts and crafts. Like okay, <laughs> that's pretty. <laughs> I give yeah, you that. Uh, got yeah. Like now now that I'm put on the spot, I can't think of anyone in particular. But or or like Abaccio is um, moody blues or moody jazz. Yeah. Instead of moody blues, which like okay maybe, but jazz and blues are two different things. <laughs> that, like I'm, I mean, granted, like jazz is an evolution from the blues, but yeah, they they work off of two separate musical languages. But but speaking of Abaccio, out of the main group, probably my favorite. Oh yeah, or, or at least my favorite from a design perspective. Oh yeah, you like that uh, goth look? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, a lot yes, of I, I I I love me a goth. A lot man. of goth boys in this uh in this I will say in this part five. Oh yeah, Risotto, Diavolo, Abacchio, three. Naranch is kind of goth, sort of. Yeah, kind of. He's kind of like a little scene. Yeah. Kid. And, and you know, of course, Narancha baby. Of course, baby. And, and Mista. And, and I will say, uh, lastly, about part five of all the stands in, in this fucking show, King Crimson fucking terrifies me, dude. Okay, okay. You know what? Since we're going all spoiler out, this is the argument me and Cole and Tanner had. I was talking about King Crimson because, like. Okay, if you don't think about his ability too much, it you know it makes sense. But I, I, you know, it's been such a long time, and I got so tired of it that I, I barely remember it now. But like, I remember watching a video explaining his ability and how, like, it was actually kind of confusing. It kind of doesn't make sense, um, because yeah, like, like, and people say in the manga it's a lot worse because it's kind of hard to portray portray his ability yeah and that's the thing too <laughs> in, in panels like and, and yeah i saw videos like that where they're like what the fuck does king crimson do i don't know but like and but but the anime makes it a little easier to understand of course of course while, like yeah but but like i'm also in the same boat as you it it, it, it i think the fact that it kind of doesn't make sense and it is confusing is part of the reason it's so fucking I, I think I you know I can agree with that I, I I'm willing to accept that because it, it definitely is oh my god when we first fucking saw it oh shit we were losing our oh well, I was losing my mind cold already knew it um like the this fucker <laughs> this fucker can literally stop like stop time for 10 seconds and skip <laughs> like literally just like erase chunks of time and like like uh, like and, and how it's portrayed in the anime is so fucking. Creepy. It, it's so creepy because like. Sorry, go ahead. Because you just see like the there will be like a skip and it and but the characters know there's something wrong because but they don't know why because there's there's a great bit where they're um, in the coliseum toward the end and they're like running up the stairs and then King Crimson happens and then they're at the top of the stairs and then there's like what just happened because they have no memory because once once King Crimson like excises that portion of time it's just gone even from memory yeah 
And like they, they, you just see them like jump, skipping through reality, and they're just like, "What the hell has happened? How do you come back?" And, to and this? the thing is, too, is that the action for them, like something as simple as like starting from the bottom of the stairs and getting to the top, that action of in between where they're walking is just completely removed. Like that, like it's just removed. But like they did it; they had to have done it, and. And, like, it's also a lot of psychological shock, too, that makes his stand so powerful, you know, because having... Yeah, because it technically is a race, so it didn't, quote, happen. But But everyone has, like, a mental impression of what happened. Well, technically, it had to have happened because you had to have done it to do it. (laughs) Like, that that's what bothered me about it, was that, like, it's not technically a race. Yeah, it... I guess it's because, like, it works off of sort of, like, a linear concept of time. Yeah, yeah, of course. Where, where like, sort of, like, if you look at it as sort of, like, this is probably going to age me, but, like, a tape in, like, a VCR. And then you just cut out a section, tape it back together, and then start playing it again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's the easiest, you know, it's just the skip button on the v- VCR. <laughs> Don't worry, I, yeah, I've, but, I've used it before too. So yeah, it's uh, and, and on top of that, the design of King Crimson is unsettling as shit. Oh, Angry Boy! I love him. I love him so much. He's so fucking uncanny, and, and it's this weird, fucking unnerving aspect. And, and I think on top of that, on top of just King Crimson, uh, Diopolo, like that whole interaction with him and Diavolo. Is so unsettling, man. It's it, it's it's fucking hilarious, but it's also really fucking terrifying. Like like when he starts doing the hey, you have a phone, yeah, and then and it just picks up random objects like they're goddamn like a telephone. It's like holy fuck. Because not only is the boss of a gang uh, have one of the most powerful stands in the world that can affect time, he's also crazy. Yeah, and, and part of me is like I I can't I don't know if I necessarily buy that you know because you to be like a leader of this like very intricate organization I'm I mean I, I feel like having that unhinged quality won't help you too much well that but well, like well I was gonna say maybe because I do what I was picking up from Diavolo and how like he has this. Uh, his personality that he hides within, in uh, in his host body, is that because with the gang, like no one knew what the boss looked like or where he was at any given time. But if they ever stepped out of line, they would feel like almost immediate repercussions. And because like he's essentially the boss is it's this personality, this identity hiding within this sort of shell body of another person's mind, that they can just come through at any at any point and, and no one know what he looks like because he's hiding within this other person's body because when he switches personalities his body changes his look changes so yeah. when he goes from boss mode to hidden mode no one would know it it would happen instantaneously he would just activate king chrism cut off time and then all right whoop, and they're fucked and then they go down you guys the road. about to throw me yeah, into theory I- mode right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and, and that that sort of concept gives gives Diavolo this omnipresence that is I keep saying terrifying yeah like because you don't know and 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 then and then part of that is kind of ruined by the introduction of of him and Diopolo 
However, like I, I feel like that would happen no matter what, based on how it's set up. Um. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to think for a second what I was gonna say. Yeah. Like. Um. I. I. I don't know. I. I like Pat said. I just like that was because you know he he only turns into Dapio when he um when he's um you know when he's in danger traveling or whatever and like Dapio is technically uh his own i mean he is his own person because he's also part of uh, the lunita special which is the elite guard of diavolo and um oh man i like just that like and that's okay i said theory mode here we go i'm gonna go right into it it's funny it's funny that you say that you were earlier mentioning how like that that's kind of strange to have that but if you remember Oh, uh, in one of the episodes when they're introducing Dapio, uh, he was born in a prison, um, and he was born in a prison by to a woman who had never had contact with a man. So like, oh, and fuck. the thing is that scene was not in the manga. That was only in the anime, and Araki approved it. And uh, there was some stuff that was also changed from the manga into the anime. Uh, like whenever um, Dapio is about to turn to Diavolo when he's choking that uh, fortune teller or whatever, his eyes turn black. That was never, that was never in the manga. And then also when he, um, if I can remember, uh, Diavolo exclusively, like, towards the end, is speaking through uh, King Crimson. And also... Well, even when you first he first gets introduced, he's mostly talking through Crimson. King Crimson. Yeah, and that was something else, too, is that if you noticed... Um, I, I, I don't know, um, I think they changed this, I, I cannot remember for the life of me, but Bucciarati, whenever he gets put into Diavolo's body, he, uh, his eyes change. Uh, they're not, they're not like King Crimson eyes, they're like Bucciarati's eyes, and that they're like regular brown or whatever. That was something else that was different too, and there's this theory that Diavolo, obviously from his name, is actually a demon or the devil. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. That yeah. would ha- and a lot of times I got the impression that Diavolo was King Crimson. That okay, that's the thing is that like, and King Crimson is like, like he's a stand, but he's something else. There, there was one theory that somebody put out that maybe King Crimson is a stand that took possession of Dapio when he was a child, but that didn't really sound. That wasn't really too sound. The reason why I go the demonic route is because, um possession you know like the signs of it like um the the black eyes the changing physical form and stuff people what people think is that um at some point when Dapio, you know was born that the that this demon or the devil itself was in Dapio inhabiting him and then at some point because um this demon was so prevalent in the body that it was able to get its own physical manifestation, which we see as Diavolo or the boss currently, the one with the long pink hair, and that Dapio, the version that we see is the you know original, and um and and that's something also that's crazy too is that this that eventually this demon got hit, possibly by the stand or he got hit by the stand arrow. And this is like essentially a demon with a stand, like that. That like that's just insane. And the, the reason why this points a lot to that is because a Diavolo's name is Diavolo, which just means devil in Italian, and King Crimson is also another name for the devil, <laughs> or Crimson King, because uh, because the the album, or sorry, not the album, the the band King Crimson and their album Core the Crimson King usually uh, Crimson King refers to you know 
uh, refers to kings who were like very um, war hungry, bloodthirsty, and that also refers to the devil as well. So, boom, theory. I mean, pretty sound, but yeah, like I think Diavolo is. While I think he is a little weaker than say Kira or Dio, in my opinion, still fucking really fucking strong. Hell yeah, and. And, and yeah, <laughs> like I said, and, and one thing I will say about part five is, I'm, I mean, granted, part of that is because, you know, we sort of went deeper into it. I imagine like with other, like, especially part four, we could probably have very similar discussions, but it, it, it is one of the more interesting parts to talk about. You're goddamn right. But they're all, um, I will say too, Jonathan, originally before part five, part four was my favorite. And um, every reason that you listed was the same reasons, but, you know, part five took that spot for me. But part part four is just as close. Great, good fucking choice, man. Yeah, and so, yeah, for me, it's in order four, five, two, three, one. Oh, nice. Because part one's kind of (laughs) boring. And it's very short. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's like... There's a lot of awesome moments in part one, but you know, it kind of my part like part one starts out interesting and ends really good, but then like that middle is dead. Yes, thank you, God. Because like, and and it sucks too because there's a lot of characters in part one I love, like Speedwagon and Zapelli, but they don't get a lot to do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Nah. And plus, we don't know the biggest question in part one. How did Jack the Ripper get inside that horse? How did he get inside the horse? We don't know. We don't know. He just jumps out of the fucking... Also... I love I love this fucking show. It's so fucking weird. It's uh, bizarre. Yes. And, and then part two, I really love Joseph. Joseph's awesome and fun. Uh, I, I do have a couple gripes with part two. What, are, what could those be, Jonathan? What could and, those be? <laughs> Y'all probably know. Well, I'll start with the minor one. And I I wish we got more from Lisa Lisa because Lisa Lisa's awesome. Yeah. And and she's just kind of sort of just doesn't really do much because, you know. For being, you know, the the master of this discipline that they're learning that has been introduced. Oh, man. We don't really see her get to show off. You're right. Yeah. Like, like I would have loved to seen a fight with her in Cars. But the biggest issue I have with part two is fucking Stroheim. Is is that all? And and the existence of that character. Like, you take one element away from that character, he's really entertaining and really fun. But he's a literal Nazi. And he's a good guy. That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah, that... What the fuck, Iraq? That was was something I remember complaining to Colt about. I was like... Fuck. Uh... (laughs) Uh... Uh, sorry, <laughs> like that—that that was my reaction. I was like, "Uh, what, what, what do we do about this?" Yeah, and, and there are people who like will get turned off from JoJo because of that, and it's it sucks because that is so early on. But they're like the way JoJo set up—you can start at any other point, you know. It's just like, God damn it, Iraqi. That yeah. And if and, and the way it's sort of structured, it makes it seem like they're sort of like how he uses the violence against dogs to sort of make the villain seem more evil. 
bastards. Like in, in part two, it feels like having the Nazis, you, you know, having the good guys literally team up with the Nazis to beat, you, you know, the pillar men it, is like this juxtaposition between the not, you know, it's like, oh, it, even if the not the Nazis are not as evil as the Pillar Men, but even then, like I, I just don't buy that. Yeah, because I mean, what was it? It was like at the end, Stronheim. It, it was like uh, Joseph was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if he said, I don't know whatever happened to Stronheim, or whatever. But like he, or he was like he died a proud German, like. Uh, yeah, he he died in Stalingrad, like a proud like a like okay, like but there's a difference between a German and a Nazi, like. And he was a fucking Nazi. They all were. Yeah, yeah. And and then once like Joseph gets his new arm, you know, he's like, "Oh, this is the power of Nazi technology," and it's like, "Oh fuck, really?" They could have that. That is not true. That that's such a fucking myth. But that that's getting into like real life stuff. If they wanted to maybe do something with his character, they could have had like have him start one way and then like reject his sort of bigotry bigotry and then become mm-hmm. a that that be part of his character like he starts off as this like heinous military general and then he realize over the course of this struggle against a bigger evil it's like oh i don't this is i, I was wrong in my thinking i am now just you know a, a, a warrior who fights for for justice but yeah. i mean i don't that's a, that's a lot of <laughs> you <laughs> Playing on your end of of, of the uh, the character of of the uh, that's a lot of uh, basically head cannon. <laughs> so like, and and then on top of that, like it's just and part of it too. Like I get Nazi uh, uh, Japan had a very different relationship with the Nazis than we do. However, knowing Japan and how they and, and, and like I say this and it's going to sound judgmental, but like. America has done a lot of bad shit and in some cases far worse. However, Japanese war crimes and Nazi war crimes in World War II were really fucking awful. Yeah, they're like, and, and they're still being and like in Japan they're still being denied. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I, I there's a book I read that was about the Japanese war crimes and some would even say that their war crimes at least against the, their, their prisoners of war were worse than the Nazis because yeah, apparently even the Nazis uphold Geneva Convention when it came to their prisoners of war. Yeah, it's it, yeah. because it's I, really weird uh, reading that stuff because because like you said, it's like they treated their prisoners of war better, and they're you know Nazis, man. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, you, you know, I'm I'm not trying to come at this from like an American exceptionalist perspective because America has done a lot of really bad shit, and I'm not trying to. No, oh, of course, no, of course not. This is literally something I was thinking of last night after I watched Come and See. I was like, man, Nazis did some terrible shit, and so did America, and so did Japan, and so did the Soviet Union, (laughs) and so many other empires and you know nations across history have done terrible shit. Nobody is squeaky clean, and you know people need to, and people should know that. Yeah, but yeah, that that. that's that being said, you know, I still like part two, you, you know, but, you know, besides, you know, the weird Nazi stuff, which which is really fucking annoying, too, because, like I said, besides Nazi stuff, Stroheim is a really entertaining character and his music in the anime is hype as shit. It, oh, man, <laughs> it's really. But you can't shake the fact that this guy's a goddamn Nazi. It's like. 
not only he's a Nazi, he's a fucking robot Nazi. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the I fuck? constantly forget about but, that in part five. Or not part five, part two. I, part two was, like you said, good, but that shit, like, that just kind of like, ugh. Yeah, but thankfully he's not that big of a character, really, and doesn't pay, play too much of a role. But, yeah. All that to say, though, JoJo is easily jumped into one of my favorite animes of all time. Goddamn right. And, and yeah, at some point in the near future, I really want to do just an episode where we deep dive into each part. And we already have part five out of the way. Yeah, but who knows? We might do it again. I mean, hell, yeah, we have Jonathan now, so might as well. Might as well. So what I've been doing behind the scenes between the show... Uh, the first thing being is I I made a new drink to celebrate the summer, which I've been uh, imbibing the whole show, and that I made the uh, the new classic summer pat. What what's in the summer pat? Pat. Oh, uh, it, it's it's super easy. You can make it at home, and I uh, strongly encourage that you do. The summer pat is that you take three parts Malibu, two parts uh, Ocean Spray Tropical Cranberry Juice, and one part lemonade, and you mix it together. You got yourself a fine. Uh, Sip and drink, or and plus, if your hand slips in any of those three, that's perfectly fine because mine definitely slipped at the Malibu portion. <laughs> it, it seems I'm very clumsy when it comes to the Malibu <laughs> on certain days of the week. Wow! Oh yeah, damn, Pat, you should fix that. My my shakes only come in when it comes to uh, when I'm making myself a drink at the end of the day. But yeah, that's something I've been enjoying, and I think and the rest of the house has been too. Jonathan's been. Uh, experimenting with the little mix making himself. Yeah, I made something last night that was lit. What would you call that one? <sighs> Fuck if I know. John Berries. John Berries. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah. Make yourself a John Berry. One of the big things I've been doing is that I've been been on a horror kick uh, this month. I got a, I got a subscription to Shutter, which is a and a horror exclusive streaming service, and I've been sort of going through there. And just just between that and Netflix, I, I've been checking out a couple, a few different horror movies, all to varying levels of quality. But yeah. that's been the fun part. <laughs> Start of the month, we watched the Iranian horror film "A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night." Yeah, we, all, all four of us sat down and watched. And that. there there's a there's a, a um, contentious reaction to it. The room was split. Yes, uh, me and Pat liked and Liz didn't and love it. Did not enjoy it. Yeah, I remember uh, these two telling us in chat about it, and I remember looking it up, and I was like, "Oh, this looks kind of neat." And uh, Pat Pat told me I would probably like it, so I'm very excited to get a chance to watch it. But that doesn't surprise me about them. <laughs> no, they have very different tastes than we do when it comes to just move like movies in general, and especially with a girl walks home alone at night because it's a it's a it's a it's a very slow atmospheric film it's very meditative it's not like like it's very ponderous and just how it how it's plot it's not there's not a lot of dialogue and it's and it's, it's very much like it sounds kind of like silly but like a very visual movie it's sort of like to meant to take and take in what you see and think about it. it's contemplative and it's it's very not surreal but like it's very like dreamlike in a state because there's a there's not a lot of concrete plot to it yeah Yeah, it's just kind of like a bunch of events kind of hastily sewn together and 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 to me one of the big things is just like isolationism how like just like you know if you ever have that feeling when you're like 
out in the in uh, in in the city or in a town late at night and you're alone, that's to me the biggest feeling that the movie conveys the strongest. Mm-hmm. And the movie is, is like technically amazing, just like cinematography and and working within a black and white palette. Like it's it's superb. It has a wonderful soundtrack. Oh yeah, there, there's a uh, one really long scene in the movie towards the end, I think where it's just this guy and the girl in a room and it's a single take and it's not like super tech. It's not a super technical single take, but uh, in the background is playing a, a song by white lies and it's really, it's really fucking good. All right. Yeah. It, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. It, 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 will, it just will not be for everyone. Yeah. And the thing is, is like our issues with the movie are, are, basically the same as Liz and Cannon's. It just, those issues didn't really bother us as much. Like, it's a slow movie. It's We both said it's almost on the end of being too slow even for us. Yeah. But, like, that's, that's just sometimes people think, uh, some people enjoy, like, a like a very deliberately paced movie, and this is very much that. And, and I will say, you need to know going in, even though this movie is on Shudder, I... I hesitate to call it a horror movie. I, I yeah, it, it's not it's not scary. It's just, or at least not what most people think of a horror movie. It's more akin to the art art house side of movies. It, it's 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 very okay. art house. Yeah, like even more art house than say, I would argue a lot of A twenty four movies. Oh, yeah, okay, but it, it's it's still it's, I think it's a movie is still worth watching. Your mileage will definitely vary. Uh, I, I said it on Letterbox, but my my attitude still stands. We need more Iranian vampire women on skateboards. I, I'm like I don't know. You guys made it really uh, exciting. I've been really uh, wanting to delve into more like um, I mean, um Middle Eastern like films in general. Just that. Um, yeah, like yeah, because like we really don't like at least in the West. There's not a lot of exposure. Uh, there was one movie that we were going to get at the, the Bama Theater, Tel Aviv on Fire, that we were wanting to see. We just never got a chance to. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was a movie that came out like a couple years ago. But, you know, for the early part of the year, the uh, we have a local art house theater that opens and shows some art house movies. And and that was one of them. And I think that, that movie was Israeli. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. So. That, um, that uh, reminds me... Uh, Oh man, there was a movie I bought, um, Criterion, that from the director and from its premise, I was like, okay, I have to watch this. I have to get it physical. Uh, it's called Taste of Cherry, and uh, it's by a director named Abbas uh, Karastami, and um, it's just it's um, it, it um, it's about a man who wants to uh, commit suicide, and it's very taboo in uh, Islam. Um, and on and uh, but he has to do he has to like essentially take a journey to do it and on his journey he meets like a few people and I think this is based off of like a folk tale that like this is his retelling of that and just and like I'm very excited to watch this and just from also from what I've heard of his filmography it's just fantastic so um and um fuck me oh uh, I know another film I watched uh, sorry I'm so sorry to take this away from Pat 
But uh, there, I have to uh, because we're bringing up Middle Eastern. I watched a film called Synonyms, and um, it's a French film, and uh, it's about um, a man who's Israeli coming to France, and it's like it's just kind of like a um, a view or like a discussion on like the um, Israeli uh, French um, uh, inter not interaction. I, I it's a really good dialogue on um, that kind of. Um, I don't. I can't. I can't think of a good word. It's really good. Check that out. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, the the one the first one I did actually watch on Shutter was a movie called Blood Quantum. Oh, which, I've which heard about that. It's probably one of my favorites that I watched this month so far. And it's 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 essentially it's a zombie movie, but it takes place in the '80s in Canada on an indigenous reservation. And what the big gimmick of the movie is is that all the indigenous people are immune to the zombie virus. So they're able to like, you know, they can, they can take a bite and not get infected. But of course, that doesn't help them if they get like overrun by a zombie and just like torn apart physically. But like, it's a really interesting story because one, how often do you see horror movies or movies in general that have like a predominantly like person of color cast? Yeah, and especially... Uh centering around indigenous people so like it, it's made in, it's made by indigenous people uh indigenous person i believe and it, it's, it's a really fun movie there's a lot it's like a lot of great like special effects and um gore effects there, there's a, there's a there's one scene right when the shit starts to hit the fan that i was like oh fuck this was really cool and it's about you see the half brothers and their sort of relationship because they have they have a father, but he was he he was the sperm donor of one, and he's the the actual father of another, and one sort of like had a more stable upbringing, and the other did not, and sort of them sort of finding each other by happenstance and like trying to like hey we're brothers we should we should probably help each other out, and they're sort of very difficult relationship, and also the the struggle with this this indigenous group is rather small, and they're sort of responsible for trying to help take care of the survivors of course you know all survivors are mostly white so like there's this there's this animosity there that's a tension because like they were you know disparaged for hundreds of years and now they kind of like are being made to help them yeah you know? and so there's just an, an interesting tension there and and the movie's based off in part of this incident in the 80s where this resignation was raided by police and there's a lot of there was a lot of violence against them so that's that's there's a lot of interesting sort of real world implications there, and to me one of the most unusual but still very interesting parts of the film is the inclusion of like these animated sequences because they act like kind of like weird bookmarks in the film. They're like they're very surreal and symbolic of what's happening at that point in the story, and it's 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 a very interesting juxtaposition how they're how these movies, how these scenes are inserted in the film. And, and it's like, it's not necessarily a detriment, but it's, it can be very jarring when you get, when you get to these animated moments. Um, overall, I think the film's very strong, has a lot of interesting things to say. It's just fun. I will say the, the end, it gets a little clunky. And, and, and there's like, there's like, there's a really weird plot hole to be in. It's not so much a spoiler because basically there's, um, it's like, I'll say there's five people left at the very end. <gasps> and, and what happens is three are on the beach and they and they're met by two others on the boat and they escape. But at, at a certain point, when you when you when it, when it cuts back to these characters over a little passage of time, two of them are just gone, and it makes no mention what happened to them. Oh, <laughs> so it's like there's just no explanation what happened to these two other characters as they're just gone. Oh, they uh they just they just jumped off. They swam. 
Just like, just poof. Uh, uh, also, I will say there is one character in the film. It's the main character's grandfather, who is literally the most badass character in the film. Because it takes place in the 80s, so he, it's implied that he's like a World War II veteran because he has a katana, and he's he's just killing people left and Fuck. right. Like, or, or the, the zombie. He's so badass. And plus, uh, his, his, his real-life name is badass, too. His real name is Stonemason Lone Goman. <laughs> What the fuck? Okay, that's cool. that's awesome. And he, he has a um a sequence at the end of the film where, he, where his sequence is animated and he's killing the zombies and it's fucking amazing. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. I so I would definitely recommend this. Hell one. yeah, I remember. I think I remember you saying something about Blood Quantum. I, I remember hearing good things about it. Ah, oh, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> something I was gonna say before though, I, I I occasionally get on Letterbox and I like to see what everybody's been watching, and I just see Pat jumping all around with these horror movies, and I get kind of discouraged because I see like his uh I'll see he can <laughs> I'll see his star ratings. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> dang Pat, <laughs> going through the ringer. Uh, well, I will say uh, the the next couple they were clunky. One more so than the other, but at least one was like, this is really weird, but it's still enjoyable. Like, the next one I watched was Dark Forces, which is a Spanish-language horror film that best, that was recently added to Netflix. Like, it's so new, I was literally the first person to review oh, it. Oh, wow. Like, there, there's obviously had been ratings, but I there had zero reviews before I added mine. Fuck. And I'll say this, I was pissed drunk when I watched this movie, and even even then, I was like, "This movie makes so goddamn sense." <laughs> it's obviously very inspired by film noir, and it's trying very hard to be like this very moody, atmospheric film noir mystery. But like, it's mostly just incoherent. And like, um, if if you if you watch Narcos Mexico, you might recognize the main character because he 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 was also in. Um, that show as well. His name is uh, Tenoc Huerta. He's the main character. He, he's just a very sort of like stoic and brooding character. He's looking for his sister, and he gets he ends up in this hotel, and that's kind of where all these mysteries converge. And it, it's just really bizarre. And like it, it feel like it, it tries to be like contemplative and like and uh, evocative with a lot of weird imagery, but it just kind of just feels random. Like the first piece person he meets. And sort of like looking for his his sister, it's like this dwarf woman, and she sort of gives him this weird cryptic warning. And then like whenever he has a dream or just like a weird spacey moment, there's like you just see the dwarf woman kind of like floating in ephemera and a negligee, and it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> I'm think I'm thinking this I'm thinking this woman is just literally floating like through space. I mean like it's it's in space, and she's got like this onesie nightgown and it's like this weird blue energy, and she's just sort of like like she's floating underwater, and it's just. Bizarre, he meets this, like, waitress slash high-end escort with, like, this inexplicable 1950s curly hairdo. I guess because it's film noir, you think of the 50s, I guess. And then, like... Even though the height of film noir was in the 30s, but that's beside the point. Or something, <laughs> and then... Not not to be a well, actually. Oh, you're, you're, I... you're, you're going to fucking pull your pedantry right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, actually, you gotta adjust your glasses. There, <laughs> that's what I was doing to Cody when we were talking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> God, <laughs> it's just weird. Like, I, there's there's one point where, like, she's trying, like, oh, I need I need a man to save me, and then they had like, like, uh, life was on his end, just like butt sex. What what? <laughs> like, they just go from kissing, and he just immediately starts like, oh, I'm just 
I'm just pounding her in the butt now. Thanks, then, Pat. <laughs> there's something to do with like a, a creepy old man, and like he um, ends up killing the main character ends up killing him, and then the back and the man sp- spits up this weird energy, like this weird demonic lamprey in his mouth. It's fucking bizarre. You're telling me this guy met this person once and they went right into anal? Uh, <laughs> essentially. Man. Man, that's a lev- le- level of trust. Yeah, I mean, don't, like... <laughs> hey, it, hey, standards are different. Uh, butt sets is first base nowadays. Oh, I, I, I guess. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you're still virgin if you do it in the butt. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, I guess. Uh, go, continue, Pat. <laughs> The movie is is bonkers. I would still say it's worth to watch. Just how like fucking screwball it is. Um, it, it sounds like someone watched Twin Peaks and didn't get it. They they only got like the, the surface level. It's this is weird. Let me just make weird shit. But I mean, which I mean, honestly, <laughs> that that is basically Twin Peaks. Uh, but. <laughs> I mean, and, and plus, I I did think it was weird because, like I said, this is a Spanish language film. And the, and the movie is called Dark Forces. Um, or in Spanish, it's fuego negro, which literally is black fire. But I thought, I mean, I don't, I'm not fluent in Spanish in any way, so I, I didn't. I don't know if that's also a an applicable translation. But what makes it weird is that they use fuego negro throughout the film, but they translate it as black fire. Oh, uh, but I don't know why they didn't choose that for the title of the film. Just like, because to me. To me, Black Fire sounds more interesting yeah. than Dark Forces, which sounds like the most generic thing. I, I, I 100% oh, yeah. Agree. Black Fire sounds awesome. You know what? If it would have been called Black Fire, I think your review would have been a little higher. I'd give it another half star. It would be up to two, <laughs> maybe. It, it was still butt-fuck crazy, and I don't mean literally. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the next one was uh, Random Acts of Violence, also on Shudder. The second uh, directorial effort by Jay Burichel of How to Train Your Dragon fame. What the fuck? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, he, this is his second film, and um, he's in the film, and this one was more actually bad because it's it's it, to me. I I love the premise and what the overall message of the film is because the premise is a struggling comic book artist and and is trying is traveling across country to conventions and and the process trying to help him. Get more mo- get get the inspiration he needs to finish the last issue of his best-selling horror comic book slasher man. And over the course of it, there is someone who starts to replicate the murders within his comic, and he has to like figure out what's going on. And the, the general message of the film is: pl- what role do creators play when someone takes inspiration from their work and produces? Like an act of violence or an act of tragedy, like you know how there there was a school shooter who 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 uh, loved Marilyn Manson, and then people started to backlash against Marilyn Manson because this one awful person just happened to have affinity for his music, and I feel like that's that's a that's an interesting concept. Oh yeah, no, like that's good, and like that also you know that's the same thing also like uh, <laughs> uh like the used to they would what blame it on like you've been uh. That one, I think that one shooter bl- uh, played Doom, the old Doom, and they like, you know, they blamed it on Doom or like, Kombat, you know, playing Mortal Kombat or GTA, you know, blaming it on these video games. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I get yeah, that. And then, and then also they would either blame it on Marilyn Manson, Rammstein, or, or well. metal music. Yeah, it was a lot of like late 90s. You now. know, like on creators on like violent media. And like, there's not, I feel like that's not exactly a, a 
wrong place to think or not not a wrong place to sort of think about. But man, this movie's just clunky. And I, I said it on Twitter before. I don't know if Mandy was their first horror movie to really use like hyper saturated neon color filters in a film. But goddamn, ever since it came out, I've been seeing that shit everywhere. <laughs> because like it's really bad in this one because not only does it have different random moments like hyper neon color magenta, but also strobe lights on top of it. So there's a portion of this movie I'm just like turned away from the from the screen because like I'm not an epileptic, but like just like strobe lights make me very uncomfortable. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know even if you're not epileptic, uh, it could be disorienting or um, it could just be hard to watch. Yeah, I get and that. Not, and just like a like you physically have to turn away because your brain is hurting and then you know, like there's, there's something important happening but you can't tell because you're like duh, 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 just and you, you can miss something important if you just have if like this this arbitrary effect is sort of inhibiting the film and all and also i just thought it was weird that jordana brewster of fast and furious fame is in this movie and it's like girl you've been in big picture films what are you doing in this flick <laughs> hey jordana yeah she, she, i mean she's I think she did a, a pretty good job because I will say the main character, the, the comic artist, he's a piece of shit because like <laughs> Jordana Brewster, she's like being so patient with him. Like, it's OK, babe, because she plays his girlfriend. It's like, it's OK, babe. You did a really great job. You know, it's OK if you're taking a longer with this issue. People still love you. You know, you take your time, take your time, your need. And then she's like, get off my ass. <laughs> Basically, well, no, no, he's he's very appreciative that she's helping him. But then when when then she was like, okay, um, I'm also working on a project, babe. I'm doing a like a, a, a not a novel, but like a book about the real life victims that your comic book murder is based off of. And and he's and he's like, uh, yeah, I just I think this would be a nice sort of like. Um, project we could work on together it's like you did the fictional version i do the real version and it's like what do you think about that do you have any tips and just like eh, eh, i don't know it sounds okay i guess and he's just being such an unreciprocated shithead that sounds like that would be a good companion piece yeah like it's a cool concept but, but... he's so insecure about it i'm like fuck <laughs> off dude uh, then of course the bad guy he uh he shows up and he starts killing people like they do in the comic and i'm gonna say <laughs> No offense to whoever did the art for the comic in this movie, but it looks butt ugly. And there's these weird bits at the beginning and kind of at the end where it's it, there's CG and it's meant to invoke what a comic book looks like, but it just looks bad. It's like it's some pretty whatever budget they had for the film, they didn't really put enough into those CG moments because they did not look good. One of the the biggest problems, other than it just feels really clunky and weird. Is that I was very confused as to why we kept getting these like flashbacks of like a little black boy and his mother at Christmas. I mean, I, you obviously know that they're one of the, the the murderers' victims, but I kept thinking, why do why do we keep seeing this family? Why why does it keep flashing back to this? And then apparently at the end, it's revealed spoilers, I guess, that the little black boy is the main character all grown up. But why that doesn't track is because the main character is. He's mixed race. He's half black, half white, but he's light complected and he has blue eyes. And the little black boy is a little black boy with he's very dark complected and has dark eyes. So we're supposed to believe this little boy grew up to be a light skinned man with blue eyes. Like it does not track at all. It doesn't even really track in the story. Like to, to me, that didn't come across at all. I just like, why is this? Why do we keep seeing this scene? I kind of think like 
Is this the main? Is this the villain like having this weird connection to his first murder? Because I think that's what that whole thing was. Is like that will him like the murderer killing the mother. That was his first murder. It, it just it was a fucking movie. <laughs> but man, because it was I would even say watch it if I'm like oh this is bad. It's just like it was it was just. It in some ways, physically painful because of the fucking strobe lights and the neon bullshit. Uh, so, um, man, that was something. Shutter original of Animats of Violence. And the last horror movie I saw was Girl on the Third Floor, which is on Netflix. Uh, it's And it's starring former WWE wrestler CM Punk as the main character. <laughs> and this movie was something else. Because this movie... Um, is technically very strong. It's shot very well. Has these really interesting like composition shots when they kind of focus on like a a scene or a, a hallway or like an object. I think that sort of in, invites some some interesting thinking. Uh, practical effects are very strong as well when it comes to like sort of the the spookier portions. Like because it's because it's a combination of a body horror film and a haunted house. <laughs> but the, some of the some of the th- things they get into with the body horror are really interesting. Because, um, spoiler alert for a girl on the third floor, um, I have never in my life seen more cum in a movie than I have in this film. <laughs> Jesus. Um, because the, the the house in the movie was originally like a house of ill repute. It was a, it was something of, of a, a baldy house, if you will, where gentlemen would go meet... Ladies of the evening. Ladies of the evening. And, oh, brothel. Yes. Or... <laughs> Uh, where CM Punk's character, he um, he buys the house in order to help sort of give his his marriage a new start because he was a big type, big shot lawyer in Chicago, and for whatever reason, I just felt like of course CM Punk he would have to put in his characters from Chicago because for those who don't know, CM Punk is very well known for being like I'm from Chicago. That was uh, that's a, he's he's very famous for being very proud of where he's from. Chicago Bulls. Because the movie's like ninety minutes. The first hour is principally him dealing with the shit that happens in the house and it, start, it, it starts like weird spooky shit like things you know moving or the big thing is like these weird marbles whenever a marble starts rolling around the floor or bouncing in the hall bad shit's about to happen and <laughs> so basically it's just sort of him sort of sl- slowly going like crazy over like what the hell is going on with this house but also dealing with the fact that there's like this girl who really wants to fuck him just shows up on his doorstep and oh. so, like, he, he he was already in trouble with his wife because on top of scamming his, his clients out of millions of dollars in Chicago, he also cheated on his wife while she was pregnant. Wow. And so you, wow. so you have, like, this mysterious girl who's, like, just thirsty for seeing Punk's dick. <laughs> also, I think it's funny that his dog is, like, anti-horny. Like, every time CM Punk wants to, like, play with his dick or, like, have sex with a stranger woman, he starts like, no. He just starts barking, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like That's no a... fucking in this house no horny <laughs> no horny you're going to horny jail <laughs> then eventually he just locks the dog outside and does his dirty dirty deed damn and it's just weird because there's just so much cum in this movie y'all it's like literally <laughs> like... He, he he goes he goes to like plug in a, a dr- electric drill and right before he does you, you literally just see cum ooze out of the light socket <laughs> and god that's a great bit because there's li- there's literally a money shot in this movie. I, I mean, are you making? This I up? expected that. No, hand to God, go watch it yourself. Because there's, you see him like, oh, I'm sure I'm 
all hot and sweaty from like uh, working on the house all day. I'm gonna get a shower, and then he he turns on the knob. And you just hear it like the water rumbling. It's like, okay, what's it gonna do? And then, blam, face full of cum, just splooge shoots out <laughs> of the shower, and he falls. Did I miss something? <laughs> Have I been listening? I am like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't believe you, Pat. <laughs> this isn't real. <laughs> it, it's, I, I promise you it's real. And there, I swear to God, there's even the bit where, like I said, whenever the marbles show up, because there, there's like, I don't, I don't, I won't give the whole thing away. You just get it. You just did <laughs> to me. You sold me. I mean, because like there, there is an interesting element to it. Like I said, it's very, it's very well made. It's just, it can be really like all the com- every time there was comments, like you're fucking kidding me. Like I just screamed, "Come!" <laughs> whenever it showed up on TV, because like I said, the marble fore- foretells doom in the house. And there was one bit where a marble um, is comes out of a light socket. But I swear to God, you just see these two like fleshy lids spit out a marble. I was like, was that a pussy in that wall that just spat out a marble? <laughs> Or, or or was it a butthole and it was anal? It, you, it's, it's open for interpretation because you just see like it looks like two flaps of skin and like a light socket just just spit out a marble. All right. And then there, there's there's a big crescendo where like CM Punk is just fed up with all the bullshit, with all the spooky hauntings, all the like the thirst trap ghosts or whatever. And then he starts like taking a hammer to the wall and just like bashing the holes wall. And every time he does, there's a corresponding reaction inside the house. Like all these holes shoot out of the wall. There's one where um, blood shoots out of the sink. There's one where like literally a pillar of cum shoots out of the floor, like the, like the floor just nutted right there. Wow, it's it's something else. Watch it for the cum, I say. Wow. I Pat, can only respond sounds, with Owen Wilson. Wow. Pat, it sounds like you watched a porno. I'm not convinced I didn't. Because it, it's weird. Like I said, it's a body horror and a haunted house. And and also, the body horror is the haunted house in certain respects. Because like, there's like some actual body horror when it comes to like when CM Punk has to like try to cut a marble out of his body, which is like, whoa. But also, I, th- I thought like, the whole time, he dumbass just cut a head of the marble because like, like, the marble's not moving that fast when it's out of his skin, but he's literally just dragging a utility knife through his leg. It's like, dude, just go over the marble and stop it right there. You're going too slow, stupid. Fuck. <laughs> some, some people on Letterboxd, they were kind of dunking on CM Punk's acting. Like, he's not the worst actor, but I don't think he's like, it's, I don't feel like I wasn't put off by his acting. He's very expressive in his face. Yeah, I mean, that, that comes sense. from being a, a wrestler. And also, he's getting blasted with cum. And a lot of people kind of compared it to, like, early Bruce Campbell. How he's like, he's yeah. very physically expressive. Act- <laughs> and th- this is a very small thing. But I just thought it was funny how seeing Punk in real life is a very avowed, straight-edged person. Like, he does not drink, uh, you know, doesn't imbibe, no vices at all. Yeah. That's just part of his lifestyle. But in the movie, he's a drunk who's sort of relapsed and he's drinking it more and more as the movie goes on. But because he's a wrestler, he takes his shirt off a lot. He wants to show, I'm a hot dude. But he, he literally has a tattoo on his stomach that says straight edge. And like all of his wrestler tattoos uncovered up. So like he's just knocking back all these beers and you just see on his tummy, straight edge. It's like, did they just not think to cover that up or something? Probably not, <laughs> Pat. Probably not. Um... <laughs> I'm just thinking about it like I don't know <laughs> I don't know just a house full of cum 
Watch it for the cum. That you know, I'm you know, I'm glad the dog's outside now. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, uh, I guess maybe a bit of a heads up. Uh, we talked about JoJo and there being like bad luck for dogs. There might be a bad luck for a dog in this movie too. Just a heads oh, up. Fuck. God damn it. You know I shouldn't be surprised. It's it's about a movie with a bunch of cum. I- and like also just saying, it, 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 if there's a dog in a horror movie, you kind of know what to expect. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I also call cum nonsense. Heads up. <laughs> just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> but th- that's what personally I've been up to. Although uh, I did want to kind of get into like what some of the stuff that's happened around us because uh, Tuscaloosa got in the news because uh, there's a monkey. There's some kind of un- underground monkey uh, ring in Tuscaloosa. There, there was just some fucker. Like this is on um, what road was this? It was over there in front of the University Mall. Um, like McFarland Boulevard. McFarland Boulevard. Yeah, there was a car, car, and then somebody just took this video of this car um, window open, a fucking monkey on a leash in a shirt. Just hanging out, not hanging out, but like you know, hanging out, like looking out and stuff. And like, this is in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> like, I, like this is the monkey man. has like a little like Alabama football like baby onesie on, and like I'm just where the fuck do you get a monkey in Alabama? If Tiger King has taught us anything, it's not that hard to find exotic animals. And you know what? I forgot about that that rule in Tiger King that. It's re- it's much more easy than it should be to get exotic animals, it's, especially when it comes to dangerous exotic animals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by no means is a monkey uh relatively dangerous. It you know it has thumbs, um, it has thumbs, so that makes it like you know ninety percent dangerous. Um, <laughs> if any animal has thumbs, it's automatically on level with us. Just saying. So. You know, that's like most of primates. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think what kind of monkey it was. Like it, it's it's like it's one of those the smaller species. It's got a tail, maybe a capuchin monkey. It it's not it's not going to get any bigger. Um, it's like yeah, it's it's literally it's literally just a small species of monkey, and um, it, it's a kind also too that you see like mostly in movies and stuff, or like the it's like a common you kind of see in like pop culture or whatever it um man and it was also in a a a muscle car too the guy was driving a muscle car i could tell by the side of the um of the of the door and stuff and it's like so this guy obviously is you know has some cash um flash some cash to get that monkey or flash a monkey to get some cash you know it might that was insane and another thing that i discovered this week is that apparently we're not the only game in town anymore Apparently, there's another podcast in town, and, oh, yeah. and they have a billboard in town. I'm like, first of all, who would have thought to, to advertise a podcast on a billboard? But there's one out there now. All right, for all you listeners out there, you're gonna be, you're gonna get on a little a little secret. We have an operation going on to find out all podcasts currently in Tuscaloosa. This data, this information, what we're gonna do with it? Well, top secret. Shh. I mean, I, I'm I'm very curious now of like one just like. How many like podcasts are like are being made within our own town, but also like how many podcasts are being gone are, are set in our state? Because like I'm I'm kind of curious to be like what what's the, the Alabama Coalition a, a podcast? I'm like part of me is kind of like excited. Oh, we, we get to meet our contemporaries, and I had to think like that might come with a lot of uh, a lot of bug because like we can't guarantee that anybody else in our state is going to be on our our level, so to speak. And then that's not like an egotistical thing. It's just sort of like our 
sort of same mind frame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, exactly. That's... I, I totally understand what you're saying, and I, I was thinking the same thing too. I like I'm curious, but also I'm kind of like, well, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not considering to say that we're we're the only game in town, or only people in town with progressive grief. That's obviously not true, but it's just it, it's the risk you run sometimes. That that, that sort of like it's something you had to have to accept living in the South is that of course there's always going to be people who are progressively aligned and who, who want you know. The, the best for everybody in the world and including marginalized groups but like there's there's a lot of people that don't and that's just a fact we have to live with unfortunately yeah that that, that is an unfortunate nature with of where we live but we i also at the same time i don't want to i don't want to forget there are, are people like us out there who, who share our mindset so yeah i'm i'm cautiously optimistic and interested in exploring alabama podcast scene understandable hell yeah oh uh i was gonna say uh, earlier when I fucked up talking about synonyms, that movie, the the movie synonyms is by an Israeli director, Nadav Lapid. It came out last year, and what I said about it, I had to look at my tweet about it. It is a chaotic and vibrant political statement about Israel and contemporary French society, and there you go. So yeah, okay, watch it. It, it was on if you have a criterion channel subscription you can watch it on there uh, i think it's rentable on amazon video you know if you want to do that as well also uh, if you're the fifth person to retweet this episode's uh tweet when it comes out you get winslow's criterion channel login what the fuck don't do that pat no 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 <laughs> you know uh pat you canceled <laughs> it, it's an incentive for the listeners oh man uh Oh, something else I was going to say, too. Another movie I watched. I know, I'm sorry I'm going back to movies, but I I've for, I forgot because it's actually leaving the service, uh, the Criterion Channel service on the uh, at the end of the month. It's uh, Cannibal, and um, it, it, uh, it's a movie uh, documentary style about the, um, the real-life cannibal who's still alive um, in Japan. His name is... Um, well, let me find it. Uh, it say Sagawa, and it was like uh, it was really it was the longest ninety fucking minutes ever, but it was pretty damn good. So that that that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that made it kind that made it actually kind of good is that um this guy uh you know he's a cannibal he's a murderer but then when you watch this it's like um uh he's just you know he's 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 ill he's in a um <laughs> he's not um. He's old. He's old, and he's like he's just not. He's not feeble, or or sorry, he's he's feeble, or like he's just um, he's not as terrifying, you know, when you when they how they portray him, and that's obviously kind of the point, I guess. Um, but then also, you know, there's that there's kind of like controversy. It's like, well, this guy is a monster, you know. What do you what do you do about that? You know, you're giving this guy a spotlight, but. Uh, give it a watch uh, if you ha- if you can handle a very very slow uh not even a burn it's just so slow so i got two more things to talk about one is really fun and the other one's really depressing so should i start with the depressing one first uh, take us to the valley before you take us to the peak okay yeah so uh been listening to some new music lately uh, and i was on youtube just fucking around and came across this album uh, it's called Everywhere at the End of Time by The Caretaker. Um, it is really fucking heavy. Uh, the impetus for this 
album is basically it, it, it's actually not even a single album it's a collection of six albums and it's like six and a half hours that goes uh, uses old like 1920s 30s 40s ballroom type of music samples but distorts them in a way as to sh- to have an artistic expression of the mental degrega- degradation of someone with Alzheimer's and if if you can handle something like that, both from the just fucking length of it, because it is six and a half hours, but also, too, it is, like, like just from the description, really fucking heavy, I highly, su- highly suggest you listen. Uh, it starts out, like, the first couple albums, uh, th- there's a little bit of, like, some of the songs are definitely slowed down. There, there's a little bit of skipping here and there. Like a note might be, uh, a note might be like say, like a semitone sharp or something like that. But starting with the third, the uh, third disc or or the third album, and then as it goes, it sort of devolves by the end to this like dark ambient drone album, and each album is apparently a reflection of each stage of Alzheimer's and they all have like all the songs have like depressing titles and stuff like that uh highly recommend really fucking dark but really fucking good all right and and, and what there, there will be like I know there's one like main motif that plays through all of them but you'll hear but as it goes further and further along it gets stretched out or broken up or put into a different darker context um so yeah that's a thing hell yeah definitely check that out that sounds interesting yeah and 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 like it's like i said it it is a lot it's six and a half hours and it's like i said it's all instrumental samples from from like different decades yeah from an old older time like you know these old like ballroom type of jazzy pop big band yeah big band type of things um so so you know that might not be to everyone's taste but and then, uh, sort of to pick up from that, will be uh, started watching uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it's really fun. Oh wow, nerd, nerd alert, nerd alert, <laughs> get him, nerd alert. Says the guy who knows uh, more about Tolkien than I do. Uh, uh, live long and prosper, bitches. <laughs> uh, my name is my name is Spock. Look at me. I have these stupid ears. Oh, oh look at me. I'm that's Spock. The wrong, oh, okay. That's the wrong Star Trek. Oh, look at me. I can I can split my two my uh my fingers together to make this cool uh Vulcan uh uh symbol uh gesture. Oh, nerd. I, th- I think we need to have a a token showdown that prove their metal. Who's the real token here? I was I I completely forgot how much I I knew about uh anything Tolkien. I forgot that I literally read all of the books in high school, <laughs> and I was just like, "This shit's good." And or I didn't read that one Cody was talking about. I never read that one. I should read it though. Um, yeah, because like I've read I haven't read the entirety of the Silmarillion, but I remember like like when when we were talking about in chat the other day. I, I, I like Wenzel was mentioning shit I had no idea about, and I'm like, fucking shit. I thought I was the Tolkien nerd, but anyway, Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> uh, you know, it's Star Trek. It on board Starship Enterprise. They explore in the galaxy with a new crew. 
with Patrick Stewart. You got Captain Picard and crew. And I'm still on the first season, which everyone says is the worst. And I see what they're talking about because there are some episodes that are really fucking bad. But I, I, everyone says by like season two and three, it gets really good. So I'm going to stick with it. Uh, however, there are some a couple gems of episodes. Uh, only one thing, though. Look up uh, Commander Riker sitting down. And why the oh. fuck does he sit like that? Oh, oh, is it that, um, oh, man, I think you shared that on Twitter the other yes, day. Yes, I did. <laughs> Commander, uh, if it, ah, oh, fuck. Just, just look up Riker sitting down. Okay. And, and, and he does that in a, almost every scene he's sitting down. Is it, uh, oh, he fucking, um, man, what is it? It's like, uh, it's like the cool guys, uh, <laughs> or I don't even know how you describe that. <laughs> he, he, like, steps over the back of the chair to sit down. It's like, really weird. Why? Yeah, why Why does he do that? Uh, apparently, someone on Twitter told me that it was because he had, like, back issues. And somehow that made it easier. Which, I, I say sus, because, like, how does saying, stepping over the top of a chair make it easier for your back? I don't know. I mean, granted, a lot of the chairs are really like short, mm-hmm. so who knows? But so it's, so it's even funnier when he steps with the back of that command seat at the front of the of the deck. <laughs> now I don't uh, know if he does that with that chair, but <laughs> that no would one, be a hate. Okay, that would be a hoot that he fin- just fucking like leaps over it. He just like like he just goes from that that deck where Ward always Warp always, and he just hops over that ledge. <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah. <get the> seat. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think about it. what if like what if it has something to do with like the orientation of how he gets into the chair like because i guess if he t- if he does it like that then that means that like his 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 back will be constantly facing forward but then pull the fucking chair out. i don't know also another thing about the next generation because i had some <coughs> co-workers that are watching it last year uh, have you noticed something about captain McCard whenever he sits down not yet they say it, it, once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. But almost every time he goes to sit down, he pulls out the front of his uniform because it bunches up. And that's because his uniform was kind of ill-fitting in his stomach. So whenever he goes to sit down, he has to like straighten up his uniform or pull it out in the tummy. Now that you say that, fuck, yes. God damn it. There's just a lot of weird shit like that in this show. but That's just because it goes kind of like... With the smaller budget of it. I mean, the, the, the first Star Trek was very famously low budget. And for a lot of people, that's very endearing to it. Yeah, and, and uh, from what I've heard, like, with Next Generation, the first few seasons were that way. Before, you know, it blew up, you know, by season three. However, I'm looking forward to Riker with a beard. Because Riker with baby face is unsettling. It, it, it just doesn't look right. Yes. And I don't, I don't know if that's just because he's so much more well-known with the beard. Because to see someone who has a beard for a long time and then ha- seem clean-shaven, it's, it's an adjustment. Or he just has a really weird face That's when, it, when it's not covered up with a beard. I, I think it's the latter. He just has a weird face. And it's not like he's ugly or something. It's just something about it. It's, just a, it's, it's like a weird, uncanny effect. That you just don't know what's wrong. Yeah, and, and he's like the the fucking ladies' man of the crew. So it's like seeing this guy with a weird face, like, 
having sex with all these late uh, alien ladies. It's like, I guess they like weird face dudes. He's like us in that way. He has a strange face. <laughs> because aliens are British. Hey, my name's Spock. <laughs> Live long and prosper. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, so far, favorite character, Data. Probably not a hot take, but... Stupid, ain't it? I, I, do, I do have some warm uh, memories of The Next Generation, because I remember watching that when I was very young, like three and four, watching that with my dad, because he, he watched the original Star Trek, and I'm not, that was something we did together. We watched The Next Generation, and my Halloween costume for like five years as a kid was Captain Picard. That's awesome. Nerd alert. We got more nerds. But, um, yeah, because like, I remember like the reruns used to come on all the time. I think it was Spike TV of all places. <laughs> And I remember Fuck. like trying to watch the show as a kid and being bored to fucking tears <laughs> and, and just Spike not TV getting isn't... any of it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, like just just the raw machismo of Spike TV. He's known for such show as like 100 Ways to Die and like the man show. I think there was, was some there. fucking like dick bro show of like, did you know when you fart, there's like many micro explosions and it's like giant titty bouncing girls. Yeah, I think that was the man show or something. It, 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 it wasn't the man show, but it was like dude facts. Just like trying to make science <laughs> cool to like frat boys. So it was just like, here's farts and piss and shit and titties. Spike TV, Spike TV is for the bro nerds, okay? The bro scientists. However, speaking of Spike TV, this is a total fucking tangent. But did any of y'all watch MXC? Yes. That was my shit back in like the early 2000s. What? God, that show was so fucking funny. I don't know if it's funny now. It probably fucking sucks. But I just remember as a kid thinking that shit was funny as fuck. Yeah, I found out it was actually on Tubi. What sh- Wait, what show is this? It, it, it's it's the show. It was called MXC Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. And it was about... It was basically they took a Japanese game show. Uh, Takeshi's Castle and they, and they just made up their own dub for it. So, you, so you, it's like you have these people going through like these physical challenges and like falling in dirty water and shit. But like... And, and then just even without the dub, a lot of these challenges are like really fucking bizarre. There, it's like some weird like Ninja Warrior shit before Ninja Warrior. But but it's, 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 oh, okay. it's much more like on like the average person's level. Yeah. Like none of these people are athletes. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> it's not like Ninja Warrior in in its extreme in the extremity of it. It's that that's just the closest thing I could think of. Yeah, it, it's like it yeah. has like all these physical challenges, but a lot of it's like luck based. Like for instance there's one where there's, there's this big moat of dirty water and like all these stepping stones, but one's fake, so no, no nobody's know which one it is. So you just run across all these stepping stones and if you and if you fall on the, the fake one it just sinks on it just it's floating in place so it, it, you just sink under water and when you fall into dirty water you lose and it's all about whittling down like the it's like to to use a uh, a, a reference that's really applicable these days it's a real life version of fall guys oh yeah okay yeah boom yeah reference I, we we need to check that out one day and we, see if it holds up i'm i'm very curious because i'm i'm not sure you guys need to play fall guys <laughs> I mean, I want to. It's not from lack of uh, interest. Yeah. Yeah. Just about throwing it out there. But yeah, so far, Next Generation, I recommend. All right. Nerd. And now that we've sort of all been caught up and we talked about our new interests and what we've been doing, we did want to give a little bit of a preview of what we'd be doing for the fall. And 
without giving too much away, uh, of course, you can expect a lot more um, movie reviews. We'll be talking more in depth about some some of the, the works of our particular actors. Um, we'll be, there'll be another kaiju episode, so that'll be a lot of fun. And thanks to uh, our birthday gift I got from Jonathan, the Criterion Collection of the Showa-era Godzilla films, that'll be a lot of fun to see the Godzilla films and like pristine 4K remasters, so that is really, that's, that's something I'm really excited to see. Yeah, flex on us a little, Pat. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I will. And, um, of course, October, we'll be having, uh, of course, return to spooky content, a whole month full of spooky goodness. We'll be talking about different kinds of horror movies. We, we, we might we might even make another one of our own. We'll have to see. And in November, we have a lot of games Ooh. we're going to play. Uh, in December, we have a whole month full of holidays. We're talking about different candies. We're doing like we're playing some games. Have a few surprises in December as well. And also, we can look forward to more uh, Fast and Furious files. We'll have, of course, our fall anime review. Talking about all the big shows coming out in the fall, which of course some are horror. So that'll be very apropos to the month of October. And also, yeah. lastly, you might be hearing some familiar voices coming back in the fall. So we we have a few of our friends. Stopping by old and new, so be looking forward to that as well. Whoop whoop! It would be a whole whole lot better uh, if Corona, the COVID, was uh, not around by this time. Oh yeah, but yeah. who fucking knows? Who fucking who knows? fucking knows? Yeah, I mean, it would go away a lot faster if America wasn't dumb. Like we're the only ones that are still doing dealing with this bullshit on the same level as it was, if not worse, at the beginning of the year. Everybody else has got like, it on on the control, essentially. Yeah, like like people people complain. They're like, oh, there's all these people in these other countries. They're all out doing stuff. What? What's, why are we like? Because they got to it really fast and they dealt with it. We didn't do that, so we're still stuck in it because of you, dumbasses. Yeah. And by you, I mean the the people. If you're listening to this and you don't wear a fucking mask, you don't wash your hands for some reason, you wipe your ass with your hand. Fuck you. Yes. And, and and it's even worse around where we live because we made the fucking national news because of uh, our, at, our local university. And, I, I, like, because literally there was a day last week where there were more confirmed COVID cases from our local university than, than, than in another entire country. And then the fact that there is a there's a strip of bars and restaurants outside of the university that were so packed with people observing no form of social distancing or personal protection at all that there was a viral tweet sent about it and we're just like we're living in the heart of darkness of covid and in our city and it's just like what the fuck yeah man university of alabama always ahead except not because they still have buildings and monuments named after slave owners and it kind of makes you think the entire reason that the university exists is just a an excuse to have a football program. Uh, higher education is, is com- a complete side piece to like keeping the sports program up and running. But you know what? We're number one in party schools. Yeah, we're we're the, we're the top. We're in the top five for America's party colleges. That's fucking stupid. So yeah, <laughs> I'm if sorry. You party? I don't suggest it. I say party indoors because we've been doing a lot of partying indoors, and look, we're perfectly fine. We don't have to go out to bars to have a good time and to drink. And also, also keep this in mind, people: it's a lot fucking cheaper to drink at home. And I can promise you, if you show your ass at home, no one's gonna fucking know. 
It's well, I mean, Pat, you have to understand, Pat and Jonathan, you have to understand that the money that these kids are on, it's not their money. Mommy and daddy's money. That is very you true. Mother, you mother, I mean, no, okay, I say that, don't get me wrong, it's okay to, you know, have financial assistance from your parents. But th- th- uh, th- there's a my- difference in, like, genuinely neat having financial assistance and then being a silver spoon brat. Yeah, because, like, literally when, when these, like, <laughs> get really local and... At our, at our inner grievances here, like these are the same kids that um, when moving day happens at the end of the semester, they leave like flat screen TVs on the side of the road because they can't take it back home on the plane, so they just buy another one to get there. So li- literally thousands of dollars worth of high end appliances will just end up on the curb, and literally it's it's like people watching when people go to like pull up their trucks and get brand new. Uh, furniture and appliances just just sitting there for trash pickup yeah and, and the thing is is all of it pretty much works for the most part or is at least functional yeah it's all perfect like there's there's not broken in any way it's just it's literally just refuse because they can't take it home yeah they, and what's really fucked up are the people who get pets i was about i was just about to say that abandon them when it's time to go back home on christmas break god you remember when was that was it early this year or last year where someone left out let out a fucking python and we had a fucking python on the loose i swear that was last year but the way time has been so fucked up by covid who the hell knows exactly because like literally there's a town just outside of where we live where a college kid had a giant python they just ditched in the woods i think it was last year though that that's yeah that sounds right because i think it was Right as I started my new job. And you know something? Somebody has a fucking monkey in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> like, these little shits, man. Fuck. I, hope, I don't know. <laughs> I hope the, the, the guy who, or the person who has the monkey takes care of the monkey. Yes. I mean, he's already teaching about Alabama football. So roll tide, little monkey man. Roll tide. RMFT. RMFT. Man. I don't know. Sorry, we just went on a little tangent about these little privileged fucks who are probably fucking us over. And, and and not to mention, they're also one of the major causes of the fucking housing crisis in this fucking town. But that's beside the point. Yeah. If you, if you want us here, uh, just expouse all, all of our local grievances, um, let us know. You'll learn a little bit more about us and, uh, w- and, and where we live. So maybe s- send us a line. But in any case, uh, it's been great catching up with you guys today. Um, it's been great sort of to explore our interests, you know, independently, but still have a, a place to come back to at the end. And of course, we want to thank you all for not only uh, sticking with us through the summer and our little experiment this month, but also listening to today's episode. We really do appreciate that. So be sure to uh, follow us online and listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and any RSS feedcatcher. We're there. We're, put, we're putting our banter out in the world, and p- please be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on all those platforms. It really helps us out, puts in front of new new viewers, new listeners, and it really helps to keep the show going. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, and AYCH Podcast. You can follow us on Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear, and on YouTube as well at All You Can Hear. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Lost's Name, and follow my art on Facebook and John lost the name are and give us a call sometime. We have a brand new hotline. We love to hear from you. You can call us at 205-523-4965. That's 205-LAD-4965. And my name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at J-O-N-I-I-B-O-I-24. 
and letterbox at john odinson 12 uh thank you for listening for putting up with however long this is going to come out it's probably going to be very long um and you know thank you for just putting up with us in general um especially during <laughs> especially during this uh time uh it's been you know i i hope we've provided you comfort during this weird time in um you know if you live in america or anywhere in the world um you can follow me on twitter at winsy booking follow my art instagram at world of winsy and then also if you want to check out my um letterbox or goodreads or anything like that you can go um i should have a link tree <laughs> on my twitter and uh instagram so you can just click on there and i should have multiple links to multiple different resources so thank you awesome all right so thank you very much i'll be talking to you soon and get ready for a really big fall be talking to you soon bye bye